You're listening to a message from Micaiah Ermler, lead pastor of Southridge Church in San Jose, California. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we hope you will stay connected with Southridge by liking us on Facebook or by following us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for the handle at Southridge Now and click the follow button so you can receive uplifting, encouraging content right in your feed. Thanks again for listening. And now, here is Pastor Micaiah. How about that? Hey, there we go. All right. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Brian. You're the man. Brian is a genius because we're doing a setup, full setup outside, and then we're coming in and doing a full setup. So, uh, back to my point that I've experienced my own emotional ups and downs, my own dips, and if I'm experiencing the need to gather, think about this. God, when he created the world, looked at man, and then he said to the Trinity, it's not good. And you could see the Trinity kind of answering back, what do you mean? You just created all this. Are you saying what you did is not good? No, no, no. He said, that man, he's by himself. It's not good. I got to create a companion. So he say, oh, that's just the context of marriage. No, no, it's not good for us to isolate. It's not. And so we as a church need to understand that people need this. Now, I get it. People push back. So guess what? One of the things, I don't listen to the news and media. You say, what do you do? Because of COVID, I can go to every health department's website, and I can find the facts for myself. I don't need the media. I can go straight to the health. We got 55 people in the hospital out of a county that has 1.8 million. The chances of you getting COVID are the same as you getting in a fatal car accident in Santa Clara County. Has anybody stopped driving their car lately? No, you haven't? Okay, all right. That's just the statistics, okay? That's from our Santa Clara County, all right? So when it comes to these things, the church needs to gather, and I'm going to double down on this. And I said last week for our dream team, I said it to them. I said, hey, look, you may see a different type of a church, and guess what? This may sound offensive on Welcome Home Sunday, on Father's Day. I should be positive, upbeat. I believe Jesus is soon returning, and I'm going to do everything I can to preach in these last days, as if it's my last days. And so if Elon Musk will say on May 1st, I'm going to open up and I'm going to keep selling cars and you can arrest me. But yet we have churches and pastors that are saying, no, 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 our people are fine online. No, no, you're not. God knew we needed to gather. He knew we needed to be under the teaching and preaching. I need to be under that conviction. And so I said it last week. So some of you that came last week, you may be hearing a double dose, but that's okay. I know that you, you understand this. So understand, church, that if secularists have a stronger conviction, where are the Christians at? Christians, we, we have lost our influence. We are what they would call in the Laodicean age of the church where our candle is being removed. We're not going to be that kind of church. So that being said, I would love for you to be a part of our church. But if you're not comfortable... I understand. We're going to offer it online, and for a while, we'll do drive-in. We're phasing out drive-in, but we have a plan right here. And if you want to know what our plan is, this is our plan. We have a phased approach, how we're going to do ministry. And I love having the family together. So if your kids, they start talking and they start messing around, that's totally fine. Because I'm so excited the family can be back together. I sat under my dad's preaching Sunday morning, Sunday night, midweek service, and guess what I had to sit there? Some days I got a tic-tac before we went into preaching. Some days. And man, you had to stretch out that tic-tac as long as you could make that thing last. So you didn't take that tic-tac during the worship. That was at least, you know, you could get through that. You took that, you know, after the introduction, like when dad's really going, that's when you took that tic-tac. So if your kids need a tic-tac, we got better than that for them. Help, help yourselves to it. And I love it because I believe more than anything, children need a mom and dad to teach them what is right. They need to see mom and dad do this with their Bible, okay? Your children need to see you sitting there with your Bible, with your pen, with your notebook, because note takers are history makers, and they need to see you say, oh, that's good. They need to see you saying amen to the word of God. They need to know what is truth, because Isaiah 59 says, where is truth? Truth is fallen in the streets, and when truth is fallen in the streets, guess what else happened in Isaiah 59? They said, there is no justice, there is no peace, there is no mercy, there is only evil. Why? Everything hangs on truth. What is truth? God's word is truth. Jesus is truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Not a way, not a life. He said, I'm the way. The, and then 
he said this about the church. He said, the church is the pillar and ground of truth. We need to gather. We need to be here. We can do it safely. And we will continue to do so. And if you want to know our plan, this is it. And so I'm not going to pander to all these places that blatantly discriminate against the church. It's blatant discrimination. They did not call out mosques or synagogues. They said, if you go and attend a church in Santa Clara County, you're a threat to public health. That's Sarah Cody's exact words. Our lawyer has it written down. So I need to know this is discrimination. People say, well, well, how do you know that? How do you know it's the age of persecution? It, when you see language like that going out from people, then you step back. You say, hmm, I'm, I'm, I, we need to worship. We have First Amendment rights that Congress shall not impose any laws that limit us from gathering. So I just need us to know where I'm coming from. I need us to know that uh, we need pastors and preachers with conviction. And if that doesn't sit well with you, man, I'm going to say this and I know this is going to come out wrong. There's plenty of churches that are so far left, they're so far gone, you might feel more comfortable and that's fine. I said to somebody earlier, and I, I'm not trying to be mean. If you take this mean, I'm sorry. I love you. God loves you. I said to somebody a couple weeks ago, I said, look, we're both going to go to heaven. I know that. I love you. We're just not going to take the same bus. And that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. I'm okay with you. If I see you at Walmart, you see me at Walmart, I'll wave. I'll say hi. God bless you. You're not my enemy. You, can, you see things the way you see. And guess what? That's true tolerance. We've lost that in this day and age. How somebody can disagree and we be okay with each other. You can see it totally different and that's fine. And guess what? I love that we live in a country, for the most part, we have laws that say that. Now we need to bring that into the church. We don't all have to agree. You don't have to vote the way I vote and I don't have to vote you the way you vote. But guess what? We should come together and say, you know what? We have some convictions based on the word of God. And if you, and I've been teaching, I've been getting our church here that the Bible is our authority. And the Word of God says that that's where it's coming from. This is not, oh man, he's really doubling down on Breitbart, Fox News, and whoever else. And No, 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 no. This is, as I get into God's Word, as I see what's happening, that's what we're going to talk about. Because I'm seeing the moral decay of our country, and it's breaking my heart. It's ripping my heart open. It's ripping my heart open that last week we had an amazing service. I believe God met with us. I believe it was powerful. Uh, I, I can't tell you how many people, they just were blessed by it. And then I had a pastor in our area. He called me up as I was driving down to San Diego. And he said, hey, I heard you, heard you had an in-person gathering. I said, yeah. And he's like, well, how did it go? And he was asking me. And I was just telling him some things. And he was like, yeah, I'm a church plant. I just don't know if I have a conviction about the church. And I said, then why don't you quit? Because if you don't have a conviction about this thing, you're exactly who the enemy would love. That you're, you're, Satan would love to have you as a pastor of a church. Because you don't have a conviction about this. And in this day and age, we need people of conviction. We need people that can take the word of God, rightly divide it, look at the age, the day and age we live in, and say, okay, scripture talks about this. Here's where we go. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's in the Bible. It, it, this isn't something where we, get, where we make it up. It's where we look at scripture. And we look at the moral decay of our nation, and we see that there are bills being passed in Congress that are trying to be passed. We're trying to give 10 and 11-year-old boys and girls hormone-blocking pills that will mutilate their bodies for the rest of their life. At 10 and 11, we're trying to pass laws. That's the moral unraveling of a nation. That's the moral fabric just coming undone where we think that's what we need to be talking about right now. Where we see that there is, uh, where right is now wrong, where wrong is now right, and we as a church are once again going to step in and call sin, sin. We're going to call uh, righteousness, right, and we're going to look at scripture and we're going to make a declaration about these things. And so this is, this is the area that we live in. We live in an area that you can't go to church, but yet California will abort 20,000 babies. Which, if you are for BLM, okay, if you're for that, then you should be against Planned Parenthood because more African-American babies are being aborted in Planned Parenthood. That is the most dangerous place to any African-American. And so we need to step back and say, yes, we're for, and, and, and I get it, the BLM. I want to take a step further. How about all Black Lives Matter? Because there was a federal officer who's African-American who was killed in Oakland. Where's his funeral? Where's his media attention? I can see I lost some of you, and that's okay. That's okay. All right, I love you. You may take another bus next week. That's fine. That's fine. We're okay. I'm fine. Are you fine? I'm good. I'm good. There we go. 
John chapter number one, verse number one. There was a man sent from God. That to me just lands like a bomb on the scene on the pages of history. Because you need to understand, when this was written, God had been silent over the nation of Israel for 400 years. Meaning there was no open revelation. There was no prophet. Nobody was saying, thus says the Lord. For 400 years, there was silence. For 400 years, there's nothing. And all of a sudden, the scripture, the New Testament opens up and it says, there was a man sent from God. You see, whenever you see a nation in moral decay, whenever you see corruptness, whenever you see, understand that God uses a man. Now, uh, let me just say right now, just for a second, don't, don't get offended, ladies, women, if, if, I just, if I just talk to the men this morning. It's Father's Day, you know, and uh, so I'm just going to, I'm, I'm, after this, I'm not going to preface anything. I, I, I'm not going to, I'm just going to say right now, this is a message that's geared towards men. I believe it's what the need of the hour is. We are so grateful for the women and we're so grateful for the mothers and we're grateful for your leadership and influence. But there's something about a man sent from God. There's something that our country needs. Scripture says whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that through him might believe. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. But as many received him, to them gave he power to, he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You see, here in the need of this hour, like in that hour, we need men sent from God. We need men sent from God. As we look at everything happening around us, we need fathers, we need brothers, we need men who rise up and say, I will be a man sent from God. Let me outline John, John the Baptist just for a second. We're not going to get into everything because his life is so vast. There's so much to study. But understand, first of all, John had a mission. You say, what was his mission? His mission was to point people to Jesus. That was John's mission. His mission was simple. He had a mission to accomplish, and that's to point people to Jesus. And honestly, that's your mission and my mission is to point people to Jesus. He said, I am not that light, but I am to point others to him. That was John's mission. He had a point to point people to Jesus. Jesus. John had a message, and that was to preach repentance. This is a word that we've stopped using in the church today, and we need to bring it back. You say, what is the word repentance? The word repentance means metanoia. It means to change my mind, which leads to a change in my actions, okay? We need to have this repentance that needs to happen. But nowadays, we don't have that. We want preaching that brings peace and not a panic. But what we need is a preaching that brings conviction that leads to a change in my lifestyle. But yet today, we have preachers who are teaching to an audience, an audience that has itching ears. Talk to me about everything else but the word. And so today, so few people know the Bible. That's why when Satan comes along with the lie, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers in high places, that's who this fight is against. So when the church all of a sudden says, oh, just shut down, and many churches just shut down, ministry ceased. You say, no, 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 they kept going online. Let me tell you, I talked to a lot of churches, and I said, hey, post-Easter, what were your online numbers? They said, dip. Church after church after church after church said online dipped. Case in point, my family, I have a godly heritage. I love my family. I, said, I saw them all this weekend. We were all eating dinner, and I asked them, I said, hey, you guys were born and raised in a pastor's home. Many of you still work at a church. Are you guys still watching? They said, post-Easter, they all kind of looked at each other, and they said, my mom, my mom, God bless her heart. She said, oh, I love your dad, but this online stuff, I just can't do it. She said, I just, I do other stuff. She says, I'll garden. It'll be on in the back. I'll be gardening. I'll be doing the dishes. I'll be anywhere. And that's what some of us were doing too. Come on, you know you weren't staring at me the entire time with the Bible open. Some of you were on the commode. You were like, yeah, I got to get the word in, you know. And uh, some of you were on the treadmill. Some of you were doing, some of you, it was, when it came to God's word, you were like, ah, oh, you know, five, ten minutes. Yeah, I kind of got it. I'll, I'll wait for that two-minute little snip clip that he sends. And yeah, that's the message. 
So we need this. We need to sit under this. We, we need God's word in our life. And so John came to preach a message of repentance. He, he was preaching to a group of people that they needed to repent of their behavior. Need to repent and come back to God. So John's mission, point people to Jesus. John's message to preach repentance. But John's ministry produced disciples. Here's what's powerful. Today we see some of the largest churches the world has ever seen. But we're seeing fewer disciples than we've ever seen. If you have such large and influential churches, why is opioid abuse on the rise? Why is suicide on the rise? Why is divorce on the rise? Why could somebody be murdered with a police officer choking him to death happen here? If we have more preaching, more of God's word, more quote-unquote millions and billions of dollars being funneled in the church, why is it that we have have more but do less. Could it be that the church is not really operating as God called us to operate and produce disciples? Could it be that we actually have neglected to teach people how to truly accurately take God's word and to live it and practice it? I would say yes. A disciple was a learner. It was a follower. See, you say, how many disciples did John the Baptist have? They estimate that John the Baptist in his short ministry had over 300,000 disciples. The Apostle Paul, he goes to a city in Acts chapter number 18. He meets a disciple. His name is Apollos. Apollos is a great orator, a great preacher. Paul confronts him and says, hey, uh, how did you hear about the Lord? And he said, I know the baptism of John. Speaking of John the Baptist. And so then Paul meets him. Paul goes to a city called Ephesus in Acts chapter number 19. He meets 12 other disciples. These 12 other disciples, he sees them preaching and teaching. And he says, hey, where did you guys come to faith? And they said, we know the baptism of John. Here Paul would travel and Paul took the gospel to the entire known world in his day. And he would run into the disciples of John. You see, the preaching that John was into, you see, when you have a man sent from God, understand his ministry will outlast his life lifetime. His ministry will be go beyond his influence. Some of you are the influence of a godly mother who has passed away, a godly father that has passed away, but their influence lives on in you because they have trained you up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and you carry on that legacy. We want to be a church that produces disciples that beyond whatever may happen, that they continue to follow Jesus, they continue to live for God in spite of whatever may happen in the world around them, even if they lose their leader. What did John do as soon as he met Jesus? He turned to his disciples and said, follow him. One of his disciples is a man by the name of Andrew. Andrew is Simon Peter's brother. Andrew went to Peter and said, hey, come meet a man that told us everything we ever did. And he brought Peter to Jesus. Peter becomes the founder of the church at Jerusalem. Peter does great things for God. It would have been easy for John to say, this is Andrew. This is, this is my best disciple. No, no, you got to stay with me. But what did he do? He said, no, 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 I'm to make disciples. That's to send you out. So that is the framework for the ministry of John. He had a mission, he had a message, and he had a ministry. But it brings me to verse number one, that he was a man sent from God. And what we need today more than ever is men sent from God. But what are the marks of a man sent from God? Notice if you would. Let's go to the book of Matthew, chapter number three. We're going to do a lot of scripture searching today. Matthew chapter number three, verse number one, the Bible says this, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He preached in the wilderness of Judea. You say exactly where is this? If you know where the Dead Sea is, he was just outside of the Dead Sea. My wife and I, we've been there. It's a desert, arid, hot, dry place. David, when he was running from Saul, also hid in the caves in this area. This area, there's nothing. If you've driven through the Mojave Desert, that's similar to this area. You say, why would a guy want to have a ministry in the middle of nowhere? Because men sent from God have an identity shaped in secret but revealed in public. He had an identity that was going to be shaped in secret. What we need is men whose identity is shaped in secret. We live in a world of self-promotion, lifting ourselves up, promoting ourselves, making sure we have more likes, follows, retweets, rebranding, re make sure we get it all out there, and we're trying to lift ourselves up. But John said, 
I'm going to go to where nobody is. I'm going to make myself nothing. And he even goes on further in Matthew. It says this, that when it came to this person in verse 4, now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt about his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. I need you to understand this person. This person wore camel hair. Anybody ridden a camel before? Just lift your hands. There's no PETA people. It's okay. All right, it's a few of you. If you've ridden a camel. You ever pet a camel? Could you imagine wearing camel hair as a garment? Gucci would not want to label and brand their brand on camel hair. It just wouldn't happen. This is not comfortable. What, what happened was this man was very poor. But what's interesting, he chose a lifestyle of being poor because his father was a priest. His father was somebody of importance. His father was selected to bring the temple offering. He had position. He had power. He had all this pedigree, but he stepped away from it and he went to the desert because he said, this in this desert place is where God's going to develop my character. Right now, some some of you are going through a desert season and God is just developing your character. You see, God is saying, I'm going to form something in secret. So when I reveal your public ministry, you'll be able to make it. We need men sent from God who just say, God, just develop my character. God, just keep working on me. God, just keep developing me. You see, John's appearance was poor, but his answers were pointed. You see, the crowds would come all over. Luke 3, verse 10, if you have a copy of God's word, would you turn there? We're going to be a Bible preaching church. Please bring a copy of God's word. Let's turn there. Let's look there. I need you to know the word of God because many of you will be led astray because you don't know the word of God. And I don't want you to say, well, it was the church I went to. We're turning a corner here. We're turning a corner where this, this is the pillar and ground of truth, and this is going to be what we rest everything on. So I want you to see this from God's word, okay? So we're looking at the life of John. Notice Luke 3, verse 10, the crowds asked, what should we do? John replied, if you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. Even corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized and asked, teacher, what should we do? He replied, collect no more taxes than the government requires. What should we do? Asked some soldiers. John replied, don't extort money or make false accusations and be content with your pay. John's answers were pointed. He was direct. Here was a man that didn't mince words. Here was a man that wasn't trying to get up in a pulpit on Sunday and be somebody's puppet to keep his crowd and audience happy and motivated and pumped up. What he was there to do was to say, thus says the Lord. A man sent from God gives a direct answer. Please write this down. It's it's unkind to be unclear. Let's be clear. When scripture is clear, let's be clear. Sin is sin. It's wrong. Righteousness is right. That's what we live. That's what we believe. Let's not be ashamed that we gather and we assemble and we go to church. We worship God. We sing praises. We witness to the lost people. Understand, Christians should not be the type of people that when it said, hey, why do you have a Bible? Uh, Hey, mm, well, you know... Uh, something, you know, someday I got on a meeting and uh, you know, what's going on? You see, what happened today is we have more people that they're afraid to express the fact that they go to church, but they have no problem flaunting their sin in Seattle, openly doing drugs, openly defying the laws, openly doing these things, just flaunting in front of everybody. But yet, when it comes to the preachers, we're strangely quiet when it comes to the sins of our nation, when it comes to what's wrong in our country. We need to once again call it out. And John's up answers were always pointed. But notice, John's authority was powerful. He said, what should we do? And people listened. He drew crowds. John's authority was powerful. Why? Because he was a man sent from God. You see, men sent from God have the glow of glory on them. Men sent from God that spend time with God. You can, you can sense it when you're around them. You see, when men spend time with God, something happens. God begins to change them from the inside out. You can take a man who was an alcoholic, who was a drug addict, and you put the Holy Spirit of God in him, you'll begin to clean them up, begin to change them, begin to take away the anger, begin to take away the lust, begin to take away the the unhealthy drives. It'll be able to change a man. That's what the power of the Word of God can do. That's what we need today. We need men sent from God. The greatest thing your sons need is a man 
God. The greatest thing your wife needs is a man sent from God. The greatest thing your daughter needs is a man sent from God. God, forgive us for making it so our young ladies have to go find loser guys who care nothing for God, who care nothing for his word, and they've got to settle for less than God's best for them because of our failure to train up men to be men, men to respect women, men to honor them, men to be chaste, men to be virgins. Instead, we've got all the Christians acting just like the world because we're supposed to be in the culture and we're supposed to be relevant and we're supposed to do what they want to do. Instead, we need men who are taught it's okay to be a man of God. That does not mean that you're a pushover, that you're a wimp. That means that you're a strong man of God. We need preaching that encourages young men to be men of character, men of integrity. That's what the church should be. But because the church has Rated men who look really cute in their slick hair, really cute in their nice outfits, really cute in their slang and their ability to be up with the culture and to be up with the trends and they've got a bunch of people on their social accounts and they hang out with the celebrities. What they need to see is men of God who they shut the door and they go into the prayer closet and they pray for revival, they pray for lost souls to be saved, they pray for marriages, they pray for their country, they pray for their church, they pray for their neighbors, they they pray and they pray and they pray. That's what this world needs. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities and powers. Here's what's the problem. You and I are angry, we're upset, and we don't know where to fight. Can I tell you where to fight this morning? The fight is not in the White House. It's not in Tulsa. It's not in Seattle. It's not in San Jose. It's not anywhere. I'll tell you where the fight is. You'll find it in the Old Testament. When Moses and the nation of Israel was being attacked, all of a sudden God told Joshua, go into the valley and fight them. But Moses, you go to the mountain. And Moses, you pray as Joshua fights. And as Moses' arms were lifted and as he prayed, they won. When Moses' hands went down and he stopped praying, they lost. Where is the battle? The battle is in prayer. It's not where you think it is. We've got to get back to being a praying church. We've got to get back to interceding. We've got to get back to saying, God, have mercy on our wicked, godless country that all of a sudden will honor and glorify all the sin and lust the nation can produce. And we need to get back to saying, God, have mercy on us. And so we need men that once again will say, I'm going to get along with God. I want the glow of glory all over my life. Here's what's amazing. Here's what's amazing. You know you want that. Your spouse wants that. You know everything around you would be better. But what's keeping us from it? What's keeping us from that secret place? He that abides in the shadow of the Almighty will find rest for his soul. It's been several months since our church has gathered. 15 weeks. How much time have you spent with God in intercessory prayer over your family? Saying, God, they don't have a church that they can gather with. God, you've called me to be their pastor, their spiritual leader. So, God, I'm going to lead. So, family, let's gather around. Let's have communion. Let's have devotions. Let's sing some worship. I'm going to be our pastor during this season. Or would you turn on the TV and say, you know what? Let's just bake a bunch of bread. That's what's trending right now. How's my yeast roll? I kid you not. I, I was hanging out with my son for his birthday. He was turning eight. And he was hanging out with another eight-year-old. I took him to the driving range, anything that was open. So I was like, let's go to the driving range. And I was listening to their conversation in the car. Do you know what these eight-year-old boys were talking about? They're yeast sourdough starters. I was like, they're not talking about video games, arcades, because what's happening? Their homes are just baking like crazy. So they're like, oh, you have a sourdough starter? We've got one too. It's kind of gross, right? It's got, you got to feed it. You feeding yours? You didn't feed it? Oh, yeah, yeah. You have to feed it in the morning and at night. It's like a pet. You got to feed it all the time. Here's the eight-year-olds that are talking about this stuff. And I was just like, man, that shows you what our family's been doing. I went to a water park this week and uh, other people take their shirts off. And I took my shirt off. And my wife filmed me. And I was looking. I was like, hey, babe, let me see that video. And she was like, can I post it? I said, no. She said, why? I look a little doughy. She said, what do you mean? I said, COVID doughy. You know what I mean. You've been baking sourdough and cinnamon rolls and all this bread and this doughy. It's starting to, starting to happen. Then I went to go buy some pants. And all of a sudden, I, I told the guy my size. And he gave me my size. I said, you're, you're, you guys changed something. You, you changed something. I, I think you guys are sewing the inseam wrong or something. And he said, no, sir. I think you need a different size. No, I don't. It's not. And I needed a different size understand that we need men sent from God. Secondly, men sent from God have a message of conviction, not convenience. Let's go back to Luke. 
Chapter 3, verse 19. John also publicly criticized Herod Antipas, the ruler of Galilee, for marrying Herodias, his brother's wife, and for many other wrongs he had done. So Herod put John in prison, adding this, sin to his many others. The church has relegated morality to government when the church is best equipped to talk about morality. Best equipped to talk about what is right and wrong. But yet we're letting government constantly define it. Which government always has a moving yardstick. The church is the best to take God's word and then take the Ten Commandments and look at it and say, what is right, what is wrong? We're equipped to do that, but we've relegated it to the government to do. And I get it, they exist for our safety, but understand something. John was not afraid to call out the government when they were wrong. Here, here Herod had taken his brother's wife. Not that his brother had divorced her. No, no, he took his brother's wife because he was in charge. And John the Baptist said, that's wrong. I'm going to preach against that. So as a church today, we need to once again say, here's what's right. Here's what's wrong. And call it out. You say, well, only God can judge. And that's not true. Scripture says, judge one another. Judge whether you be in the faith. Oh, get quiet. Are you looking for a bus? Are you, on, are you on Lyft looking for that bus? Are you on Uber? Like there's got to be a better bus than this one. You can find it. There's plenty. I promise you. They're all shut down. Men sent from God have a message of conviction, not convenience. John confronted sin with no regard to their position. He confronted sin. He wasn't angry about it. But we as a nation, you have children. You have a generation that is watching our nation. And if we don't say anything, they're going to assume that it's right. What are we hearing nowadays? Your silent sanctions. We're hearing that everywhere, right? If you don't say anything, guess what? You're sanctioning it. Well, what about the church and our silence against sin? How about this? Uh, when it came to 2015, there was a presidential election, uh, election and they were trying to get a candidate uh, promoted. But ABC had a story of a pedophile by the name of Jeffrey Epstein. And Jeffrey Epstein was supposed to be exposed in 2015. But ABC said, no, he's a big funder, backer, financial backer of this candidate. And if we bust this story, it may really mess up the election for this person. This person lost in 2016 anyway. But Netflix finally released the document and you can see that they were so frustrated they had all this information but it said this guy was allowed for three more years just to go unchecked where is the outcry in the church all of a sudden I've got pastors calling me are you sure you should open are you sure isn't that dangerous our country is going to hell in a handbasket, and we need preachers who are the uh, righteousness that'll say hey this is what's going on in our country this is what's happening. Last year, California tried to propose a bill that pedophiles, that uh, as long as they are 10 years or less than the person that they assaulted, if they, were, if they were just a 10 year age difference, they did not have to register as an offender. I'm being careful because we have children, but you know what offender I'm talking about. If, if, if he's, you know, 27 and she was 17, that's okay. Really? You don't have to register. So a 10-year-old and a 20-year-old, you're okay with that? They said they were okay with that. That's your California government. And where is the church saying, hey, this is what our government is trying to pass, our local California government trying to pass this garbage. And where is the church saying, no, we won't stand for it. That's where the church rises up. We say we pray to God for mercy on a nation like this. We pray to protect our children. Our children are becoming a target, and we need to protect them. You say, what's the best way? The battle is in prayer. The battle is in the word. But yet Christians, we have no longer even take the word to church. Some of us don't even download it on our apps. Get it on your app. At least have it on your phone. Get into the Word of God. I know whole churches right now that are large churches. The pastor wrote a book. I may have shared this last week. I'm going to share it with you. He wrote a whole book about a verse in the Bible that does not exist. And the church put up the scripture, put up the reference, and the verse doesn't exist. Not in any translation. He made up a verse, then he wrote a book about it, wrote a whole doctrine about it, and now he's selling them across the country. And I'm thinking, where's the outcry? Where's the outcry? Where's the church saying, no, no, no. We're going to rightly divide the truth. We're going to see it for what it is. This is what the John the Baptist came to do. He was a man that said, I don't, I'm not going to regard your position. I'm going to speak truth. You see, churches and pastors offer too much for too little. We've made easy believism. Come as you are, stay as you are, Christianity. No longer. No longer. We used to have preachers that would preach against sin. And they wouldn't be tolerated. Can I say something about toleration and tolerance? 
Tolerance is for people, not for principles. I tolerate people, all people, any people, regardless of anything. But I don't have to tolerate principles. And the church needs to come back to some things where we say, look, here's what's right, here's what's wrong. While culture, culture worships sin, the church needs to weep over sin. Where's the brokenness? We've got a world that's broken. We've got a country that's broken. And you should look into the church and see the hearts of men and women. And we're not broken. Not a dry eye in the church. It used to be that the church, you would come and there would be weeping and there would be brokenness over sin. And God forgive us for having pastors going into the pulpit that that week they didn't get on their knees and say, God, I will not go into that pulpit unless you bring tears to my eyes and a brokenness for my people. My eye affects my heart is what Jeremiah said when he looked over the landscape of how Israel was doing. We need to be broken for it. You should look at the condition of your family and it should break your heart and stay in that prayer position until God breaks your heart for these things. If you don't understand what has happened in our country, it should rip your heart out and we should start praying like we've never prayed before. Seeking God like we've never seeked God before. And we will hear from him. That's the type of person John was. He was a person that other people didn't care for. So they tried to shut him up. They put him in prison and eventually they beheaded him. Another mark of a man of God is men sent from God move the world, but the world cannot move them. Let me define the term world. It doesn't mean this terrestrial globe. I'm not saying he was Atlas. What I'm saying is the world has a social construct. The world has a mode of operation. They have natural behaviors that's natural to them, but it's unnatural to the church. And the church has always stood in contrast. And that's why he said light. He says when Jesus came, he's the light for all mankind. How do you dispel darkness? Do you get a vacuum to suck out the darkness? Do you fan away the darkness? Do you speak to the darkness? Darkness be gone. How do you get rid of the darkness? You turn on the light, and then the darkness hides under your bed. That's what happens with darkness. And Jesus came into this world, but men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And let's be honest. And let's search our own heart and say, God, where have I loved darkness rather than light? Where have I been holding on to darkness? And let the word of God pierce our hearts. Matthew 14, when Herod Antipas, the ruler of Galilee, heard about Jesus, he said to his advisors, this must be John the Baptist raised from the dead. That is why he can do such miracles. For Herod had arrested and imprisoned John as a favor to his wife Herodias, the former wife of Herod's brother Philip. He was thrown in jail for calling sin, sin. Just so you know, our church has had this conversation. If I get thrown in jail, we already know who's stepping up. We've already had that plan. Already talked through it. Because it's a very real thing. You say, not here in America. Oh, yes, here in America. Oh, absolutely. Our church has had that conversation of who will preach. And we all agreed it'll be Austin. He'll take over. He'll do just fine. Church will be in good hands. You see, today's day and age, you need to understand, when you begin to stand up for righteousness... You then picked a fight with Satan himself because we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. My fight is not with the county. My fight is not with the governor. My fight is not with a political party. My fight is with Satan, the evil one, the one who will spend eternity in hell. He is enemy number one. He is who we fight against. And how do we fight against him? When we put on the whole armor of God, then we can stand against him. But we have Christians walking around with no armor, no protection, not ready to fight. And Satan knows it, and he's taking advantage of the church. He knows the church is a whooped dog that all you got to say is scare them, and the church goes silent. And you say, no, 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 online's still working. Talk to the pastor. If they're honest, their views are down. It's not working. We're not seeing more salvations. We're not seeing more baptism, more disciples. It's not happening. I've asked, and I've been on the phone calls. It's depressing. Some of the largest pastors in our area got on a phone call and they were told by city council, hey, don't expect to open for two to three years. The largest churches in our area were told that. So they got on a call telling the other pastors, yeah, we're not sure what we're going to do. They have no plan, none. Well, little Southridge, we said, hey, we got something. If you want to get on this bus, we got a bus and we got room. We'll add services. You want to be on this bus? This, we're going somewhere because I believe that Jesus is coming soon. 
And guess what? Matthew 7, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, done many works? And I will say, depart from me, for I never knew you. There's apostasy in the church. There's apathy in the pew. And we need to wrestle with that apathy. And if there's apathy, let's get conviction over it. Let's say, God, am I apathetic? God, am I too callous? Do I just want to sit back? My, uh, should I just sit back and, and let everybody else do the work? Or, or do I see that Satan is fighting now more than ever? And I need to say, God, this is the moment. You see, a man sent from God moves the world. The world does not move him. That's what we need. So where are the men sent from God? What we have today is a bunch of men fighting for their rights to smoke dope, do drugs, live immoral, and have the government pay for it all and live up in Seattle. That's what we've got. A bunch of men with their little rights. And they want no responsibility. We've raised a generation that are fighting for their rights. I got my rights. I got my first amendment, second amendment, third amendment, fourth amendment, fifth amendment. I got all these rights. Responsibility comes with those rights. You want to have a baby? Guess what? Raise the baby. Pay for the baby. Be there for the baby. That baby's your responsibility. Don't pawn it off on your, on your baby mama. It's time that you take responsibility. It's time that you say, I live in a world where I'm going to be a responsible adult. And responsibility is falling off. And yet the church is just kind of like, we'll coddle you. Yeah, you, you love Xbox? You want to play 10 hours a day? Oh, yeah, that's fine. That's, that's good. Oh, my goodness. My daughter's 10. And I'm thinking in 10 years, she's going to be looking for a man. And I'm looking at the men. And I'm saying... They're not very manly. I'm worried. So I'm looking at our church and some of our young men, and I'm thinking, I can start now, 10 years, you know, a few good men, hopefully. But if we raise them up right, Salma said, they're arrows in the hands of a mighty man. You see, a father's job, a father's job is to shape their children, to sharpen their children. And then to shoot their children out to the next generation. That's what a man of God does. And we need a generation that are men sent from God. Men who don't just fight about their rights and expect to be respected. But men who take responsibility. Today we live in a day and age where, I don't know if you knew this, Princeton did a study. And because men have no, today's generation, the, uh, the millennial, typical millennial man has no drive, no mission, no purpose. They have exceeded by 20 to 30% other ethnicities in their own category, Caucasian males, are the most likely to be addicted to opioids and die from it. We've, we've exceeded 30%. That's Princeton did the study. So you're seeing a crisis across our country where men have no aim, no purpose, and understand that a man of God understands his purpose. He understands the time and knowing the times and being a discerner. See, that's what we're called to. We're called to be men of God who the world can't move us. A men of God who stands for truth, who stands for righteousness, who understands where is heresy. So when I hear a guy like Andy Stanley say, the Ten Commandments does not apply to us, or you don't need to follow the Old Testament, that's heresy because Jesus validated the Old Testament, the law, and the prophets. That's the entire Old Testament. He validated scripture. Matter of fact, he went on to say all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, correction, instruction, and righteousness. That word all, I looked it up in the Greek. You know what it means? All scripture. Understand that this whole Bible from cover to cover, you may not like it. You may not agree with it. That's why it's called the double-edged sword. It cuts both ways. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And guess what? It should mess us up. It should break us as men. We need once again men to sit under preaching that is Bible-heavy preaching. Preaching that they are turning page after page where they've got a notebook in hand where they say, I want to be a man after God's own heart. I want to pursue that. That's what our church needs. That's what our community needs. That's what our city needs. I know you can poke at political leaders and you can poke at celebrities. Hey, before you poke at them, let's poke at ourselves and say, what about me? I said it last week. It's me. It's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's not my sister, not my brother, but it's me. Once again, we need to start looking at ourselves and peeling back the intents of our heart and saying, God, I want to be a man sent from God. So where are the men sent from God? Where are the Martin Luthers who will nail the 95 
glorified thesis to the door, calling out the hypocrisies of the Catholic Church. Where are the John Knoxes who will pray, give me Scotland, Lord, or I die? Where are the John Husses who will burn at the stake by the Catholic Church for not recanting what he believed? Where are the Jonathan Edwards who will preach the message, sinners in the hands of an angry God, and begin the first great awakening in the 1700s? Where are the John and Charles Wesleys, the founder of the modern Methodist movement, who are not allowed to preach inside the churches because how they preached. So they would preach outdoors and they founded a movement that swept England and swept America. Where is the George Whitfield who would preach to thousands? Where was the George Whitfield that when he came to Boston, the city had a population of 12,000. But when George Whitfield preached, 14,000 people showed up and he preached to 14,000 people without amplification, without screens, without a worship band. It was just his voice. On the night before he died, he stood at the balcony of his bedroom and he said, I will preach until this candle burns out. And he preached for hour after hour. And people watched as the candle grew fainter and fainter. And finally it blew out. They said that John went to his bedside. He kneeled down, began to pray. The next morning they found him dead in a kneeling position. He died praying. Where are the George Whitfield? Where are the men sent from God? Where are the people like John Newton who penned amazing grace? How sweet the sound. Where is Lemuel Hines, the first African-American pastor of an old white congregation in 1788? Where is the William Carey's, the fathers of the modern missionary movement who went to India? Where are the Charles Finney's who brought the second great awakening in the 1800s to America? Where is the William Booth who founded the Salvation Army, which didn't just mean we dropped off our junk for a tax rebate. It was a place that really was about salvation and leading souls to Christ. Where are these people? Where are the men of God that'll stand up for God? Where are the Robert Rakes who started the modern Sunday school movement? Where is the Billy Sunday? Where are the D.L. Moody's, the Charles Spurgeons? Where are the Billy Grahams? Where are the men of God? We need men sent from God. There's an indictment. It says, I searched the land for a man of God. And I found none. It's the prophet Isaiah. saying, I searched for Israel. But I found none. Would God look down over heaven and say, I sought for a man, oh, excuse me, it's Ezekiel twenty-two thirty. I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, but I found none. When God lines up every human being alive in 2020, does he say, there you are. There he is. There she is. Oh, there's another one. And another one. Oh, there's another one. Look at all these people standing in the gap at that church. They're saying, I still believe in some things called preaching. I still believe in church. I still believe in worship corporately. I still believe that I need it. And God looks down over the battlements of heaven and he says, there is an army of men sent from God who will shake hell to its foundation, who will tell the lost that there's a Jesus who saves them, that will tell the hurting that there's a hope. It's not found in alcohol. It's not found in drugs. It's not found in pornography, but it's found in Jesus, that there is a hope that will wreck us with Jesus reckless love that there's a word of God that as we read it it'll read us that there's a place that I can come and I can get right and I can live right and I can stay right that that's what we need men sent from God and may the church today be able to find men sent from God and ladies encourage a man sent from God the moment you see him trying to pray don't say oh two minutes that's it say two minutes you prayed two minutes? That was the best two minutes of prayer. I felt God shaking when you prayed for those two minutes. And all you did was pray for dinner. Man, God met with me when you read that scripture. That scripture first came alive. You might be a preacher when you're stuck. I'm going to live for God. Look at her and say, you're going to be a godly woman. When you see the children run around here, don't see little rebels and say, them pastor's kids need to straighten up. Say, there could be the hope of America. You look at some person and instead of saying, hey, you look like a dropout, a down and out. Look at them and say, you know what? I believe God has great things for you and speak life over them and bless them and encourage them. We've got enough naysayers. What we need is some people that will come alongside and say, God is about to do some great things. I believe we stand at the door of the greatest revival that America has ever seen and it's going to happen if we will have broken hearts hearts that break you can't pour 20,000 babies and be okay with that 
is we got people in this room who would give anything to have a baby. But yet you're just throwing away life. And we got people that think, I'll vote for that person. Are you kidding me? God have mercy on us. God have mercy on us. God have mercy on a church that we just sit idly by as people go to hell in a handbasket. God forgives Southridge for three months. We were content. Just watch online. Sip our coffee. We had three people in our church pass away into eternity during those three months. That's our church. As pastor, I can't go do a funeral. I can't give them a hug. I can't meet them in the hospital. They got to spend their final moments alone with nobody. Where was the church? Where were we? The church is called the ecclesia. Greek meaning called out assembly. We're called out, not called in, not shut in. We go out. We go to the highway, the hedges. We go everywhere where there's a lost person. We'll go early. We'll go late. We'll do whatever it takes. That's what we are. That's what the church stands for. And if you stand for it, God bless you. And if you don't, guess what? God bless you. I can't be quiet any longer. I can't go silently into the night. I can't. And if you can or you can't, that's fine. But as for me, in my house, we will serve the Lord. This church is a house. We got to serve Jesus. This is it. He's coming again. We've got to make this moment. This is it. God's looking for some people. He's looking for you to break. He's looking for you to weep. How can we come to church anymore with dry eyes and callous hearts? Jesus said that there was a person who came into the temple and he saw a publican who was saying, I'm not worthy to look up. And the person said, I'm better than him. And Jesus said, no, 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 you have it wrong. You have it wrong. That publican who couldn't lift, lift up, he walked away redeemed. He walked away saved. Oh, if you go to a church and if you leave this church, please go to a church where that pastor, before he gets into the pulpit, he's wiped the tears from his eyes because he's been on his knees for you, interceding for your marriage, interceding for your children, interceding for not just your generation, but the next generation and the next generation. Southridge is not a flash in the pan. We're a church that this community needs. This community doesn't know they need us, but they need us. They need the gospel, the glorious message of salvation. They need it now more than they've ever needed it. I can't go quiet. We can't go quiet. And if you're looking for something else in another church, I understand. I love you. Oh, you don't know how much I love you. You don't know the blood, sweat, and tears. When the Apostle Paul said, I always have you in remembrance in my heart, I know what he meant. I'm not a hireling. I'm not a hireling who runs when the wolf comes. I will not. I'm a shepherd. The shepherd gives his life for the sheep. The shepherd says, I go down with the ship. The shepherd says, I stand at the door. I will keep out the devil. I will fight for you. And I'm asking you to fight for your family. I'm asking you to fight for your children. I'm asking for you to fight for your neighbors. I'm asking for you to stand in the gap. I'm asking for you to be the generation that says we will not be apostate anymore. I'm asking you to be that generation. To say, God, we are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, a peculiar people. We don't have to look like the world, act like the world. We are so different. And we will make a difference. Can we all stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? Church, this is a, this is a dangerous hour. I can't preach peace. I can't preach inspiration. You're going to have to go to your word this week and get that yourself. I've got to preach pointedly. I've got to preach about a message. I've got to preach about a mission. I've got to call out the sins of this age. I've got to warn. Jeremiah, if the watchman watches but in vain and does not warn the wicked, his blood will I require at thy hand.
Does the church have blood on our hands? Do we hold bloody hands for not calling out the sins of the age? Could it be that the church has so much of the world that the church is no longer an influence in the world? And so now we're coming back. We're saying, God, this is it. I will be a bridegroom that's ready, that's spotless. No bride goes to the wedding altar in a dress that she's rolled in the dirt and the mud and the muck. She goes with the dress that's white and pure. And God's asking for his church as he calls us up. He's saying, will you be white and a pure church? God, would you rend the heavens and come down? Would you break through? God, would you permeate the atmosphere with your presence? God, would you break open our hard hearts? Would you give us tears again? Would you give us tears, God? God, the church has been so dry-eyed, it brings shame where the prophets of old would weep. When you looked out over Jerusalem, you said, I wept. Where I would have gathered Jerusalem like a hen gathers its chicks, and you wept, God. God, we have pastors who no longer know how to weep. We have leaders with no broken hearts. So God, forgive us. The word says that you were close to those who have a broken heart. And so God, we need you. Now in this moment, last week we started it. It's an old-fashioned come to the altar. If you want to make your chair an altar where you kneel right there. Or you want to come down here and pray. But as the worship team sings, we're going to call you to prayer. I'm going to call you to repent. I'm going to call you to intercede. I'm going to call you to cry out to God. I'm going to call for you to come and meet with God. Don't rush through this time. You've heard the word that we need men sent from God. Let's seek God. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Real quick, just a couple of announcements. I'm so grateful that you came on Welcome Home Sunday. How about now? There we go. All right. All right. Perfect. It's all me. It's not Brian. Don't look at him. It's all me. It's a user error. That's all it is. Uh, we're definitely coming into a new season as a church, and rightly so. And man, I know I'm going to challenge y'all. I know we're going to go deep in the Word. Uh, I said last week would be a little bit longer, just pouring over passages as much as I can. I do want to be our church. Our church should be rooted deeply in God's word. I want you to know where my heart is coming from. I believe now more than ever, we need more of God's word. Uh, pray with us as I've got some other things in my heart that I'm going to be sharing with our leadership team on Tuesday. I just feel so strongly that we need more of God's word, not less. And so I want to start pushing towards that. And I'm going to be challenging you. And if you ever feel that I got to go somewhere else, I got to go Nothing but love for me. Nothing but love. All right? Because at the end of the day, I want to encourage you. But at the end of the day, even Jesus, not everybody followed him. So I, I get it. And it's not, it's not something where I'm like, let me, let me say what I'm trying to say. Let me be clear. I don't care if our church grows anymore. I don't care. I don't. I, you don't know how big of an idol that was in my life for the longest time. The pressure, you, you have no idea how much in the past it would bother me. We don't have little skirts on these screens. I would obsess that there's not modest little skirts on these screens. It would bother me so much, and you would come into a staff meeting, and I'd be like, the screens weren't exactly aligned. This one is not as straight as that one. That one's more crooked. And I was like, if we have it perfect, and the worship team's perfect, and if my message is just so inspirational, then we're going to grow. I'm not worried about that anymore. If, if you want the Bible, that's, that's what we offer. I, we might get rich kids back. I mean, uh, our kids need some Bible. Uh, we have a wonderful children's pastor. Pastor Ceci is wonderful. I love her and pass myself. She and I have talked that the children's curriculum out there these days is so Bible light. 
I mean, it's so bible light. And what I mean by bible light, I'm not making a word. I know I talk fast. Like, it's, it's such watered down, like, children, obey your parents. Okay, go home, make this craft, sing this worship song, and eat some animal crackers, have some Kool-Aid, and we're going to play Duck, Duck, Goose. Like, that was children's ministry. So them sitting here for an hour, you say, well, they were on my phone. Uh, I know some of y'all can be on a phone and listen just perfectly because some of us husbands have mastered this. Our wives can be talking for hours and we're just, yep, uh uh-huh, honey. Yeah. Oh, me too. Karen did what? Mm, What a Karen. So your kids are getting more than they might say. So this is okay for a season. I don't mind the noise. I hope you don't mind. Church is going to look a little different. It may not be, you say, well, I need some coffee. There's a Starbucks down the road. Grab some, come in, whatever. We're not stopping you from having coffee. We're not. You want coffee? Then go figure out coffee. We're, we're just, I'm, I'm in a season where I'm like, if we have all the fancy things that other churches may have, I, I'm tired of churches saying, we're not going to open until we can offer you this full experience. And they never once say, we really just want you to encounter the Holy Spirit. They all say, we really want you to have your coffee. We really want the children's ministry. We want your teens. We want you to be able to sit next to each other and not wear a mask. While our city says, yeah, you're two years out from that. And I'm saying, okay, I don't need the coffee. I, can, I got mine at 4.30 this morning. I don't know about you. You know, I can make mine on my own. It won't taste as good as our church coffee. It was pretty good. But when it comes to church, what happened that... We just used to come because we wanted to hear from God. We just, we needed some preaching. We needed to worship. We needed to do communion. And next week, come back, we'll do communion. Because there's some certain elements the church just kind of needs to do. We need to produce disciples. That's just kind of, well, we're getting back to maybe some grassroots. So it may not be as pretty. Like, I'm overwhelmed at how good of a job Selena did over here. Like, I don't know where Selena's at. She, she did all that. It's all decorated nice. I was just going to throw some stuff out there for the dudes, like some beef jerky and gift cards, and be like, have at it, you know? And she really cared about y'all. So as you come to church on a Sunday, just know the drive-in will be phasing. We'll probably phase out the drive-in uh, maybe one more week of that, just because logistically it's very tough to have two systems. It doesn't really work. The, the challenge you're seeing is, and then with this size crowd, this kind of about, I, I, I don't really feel comfortable packing more people in this auditorium. I feel like this is about right. So we probably need to add another service just to make sure we're social distancing. This is about as full. I don't have the head count. Last week we were at 66. This week looks about maybe 10, 15 more. So this is right about where we want to keep it uh, just to maintain some social distancing. You say, but pastor, I saw you hugging people. I'll hug you if you feel comfortable with hugging. I'll shake your hand if you feel. If you want me to wear a mask, I'll wear a mask. I become all things, all men, so that by Christ I might win some, okay? So just understand where I'm at, okay? All right? That's just where I'm at. And don't get offended that after I shake your hand, I go dump a bunch of Lysol on me. And it's not, it's nothing personal. It's just because I'm going to touch somebody after you. So it's like, I'm just trying to be careful. All right? So uh, also, offering is different. If you say, Southridge is my home, I want to be a part of investing financially. I want to let you know, God has done some incredible things. We immediately pulled back. I shared this with the church last week, but let me just recap for the rest of you who may not know. Our church financially wasn't sure, like everybody else, really pulled back, cut all expenses. But yet, God has been so good to our church. L- building fund has increased throughout this season, okay? The building fund has increased long-term savings fund. Our trustees said, hey, we want not just a building fund, we want a long-term savings fund. Prior to COVID was, I think, 17000 It's at 41000 now. Okay? All right. Almost double. Almost double. All right. Uh, they also had a great idea. Hey, let's put 500000 of our building fund in a CD account right before all the economic collapse. So we got 4.5 4. interest rate. All right? And then the market flipped and the bank was like, you guys want your money back? No, we're good. Because they're paying 4.5% interest on that $500,000. So $100 every day into the church account. $100 every day. $100. $100. And then that's automatically renewed. So God is financially taking care of his church in a way where we never saw. Now, we were super careful. Super careful. We didn't live large. So... I just want to let you know that God's been good. Now, if you say, hey, I want to continue to invest in the kingdom, just know that there's good stewards. And uh, offering basket is just, you just drop it in with your connection card. If you're a first, yes, 
welcome to Southridge. We normally used to do a big old gift basket and we would do all this stuff, but I mean, you know, we turn off the sound on and off for you. I mean, it's just, we just do that kind of stuff. Makes you actively listen. Man, fill out a connection card. We'll try to stay connected with you. Drop it off out there. Uh, we'll send you a gift card in the mail. So church will look a little bit different if you're used to Southridge, a little bit. It's going to be uh, just trimmed down. We're trying to just get to the fundamentals. Uh, dream team, we're just keeping it real simple. So that's why you're not getting bombarded with requests and everything. And um, so just lots of good things. Other thing, I said it last week. This will be my last announcement. You say, hey, where's Pastor Jake, our worship pastor? You saw our worship leader, Leslie, holding it down, doing an amazing job. Let's give her a hand. Just awesome. In case you didn't know, I asked him to take a sabbatical. There was just a lot of stuff going on in his life, and nothing bad. He'll be back. I just said, hey, I think you need a rest. I, I really feel you need to take a rest. I spoke with his mother about it, and she was in tears saying thank you. He, he, he doesn't know how to say no. And so there's a couple things that I just said, hey, just step back. So you say, well, how long is that? We don't really know. There's a couple things we're just talking through, working through. He's still around, and he's in Spokane, Washington, just spending time with his mom. Uh, many of you don't know that he's an only child, and he lost his dad a year ago. So to be away is tough. So he's there spending time with his mom. And Leslie is our interim worship leader. She's holding it down. So that way you don't need to be like, oh, are people leaving? What, what's going on? Just filling you in. Just filling you in. This is church family. Church family. Just want you to be aware in the know. And uh, so that's kind of everything that's happening. And um, oh yeah, Jane and I had two more kids while COVID. I'm just, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. That really scared her. Like, did you see the look on her face? She was like, what? I'm forgetting something. Oh, please, dads, stop by. And men. Oh, men, not dads. Oh, it's for all the men. Get a gift card to in and out If you are a man. I don't care if you're one year old. Odin and Iden, help yourself to get card. Uh, Three for the Woo household, all right? So, I mean, get all the men and then grab your in and out gift cards and uh, please step and stop by there. Let me pray us out, okay? God bless uh, our, our morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we need you. Lord, I thank you for the time we can be together in church. We're so grateful. We're so thankful. We love you. Pray your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. We hope you were encouraged by today's message from Pastor Micaiah. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect. Again, that's SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect.